Well, good morning, church. It is good to see you. Thank you for throwing a wee bit of rain our way to make us feel at home in Scotland. That's very nice of you. Uh, and also, I just want to have to say again, thanks to George and the team and Jonathan for, for your work in bringing us into the throne room this morning. Thank you. This is a, a special moment. We're gathered today to worship our God and to be with the family of God. It's a special event. It's a sacred event. And it might be more sacred and special than you had ever imagined before. Our name, the Church of Christ, has become somewhat of a brand name, in some areas lauded, in others perhaps tarnished. But that's not why we chose the name Church of Christ. Some will say, well, we chose it because it's found in the Bible. There are a lot of names found in the Bible. We chose the name Church of Christ because when that name was chosen by the restorers, the reformers of that time, it meant, it was a commonly used phrase, which meant all believers. It was the same meaning as the name Catholic. Not Roman Catholic or Orthodox Catholic or brand name Catholic, but Catholic in the sense of universal. We are the believers. That's all we are. We have no brief to say that we're the only believers or that we're the best believers or that God likes our belief better than he likes your belief. We are just the Church of Christ. We are just believers. This name includes you if you are here today. It doesn't matter what religious heritage you've come from, even if you didn't come from any at all. You're welcome here. If you're struggling with your faith, welcome, so are we. If you're struggling with sin, welcome, so are we. There's not a sin you can struggle with that isn't struggled with by many others in this same room. We are all the family of God, gathered here, imperfect as we are, for a special time. Now, perhaps you are visiting from a different Church of Christ, and you're thinking, things are a little bit different here. Okay, here's the way this works. If you don't like change, you're in the wrong universe. <laughs> Everything changes. That's what life and movement are. And there's no way to get around it. If you don't believe me, look in a mirror. <laughs> that should do it. There comes that day in everybody's life when they look in the mirror and realize they peaked. They will never get better looking. It's, it's on the other downward slide now. Remember this as well. I love teens with all my heart. I think they are the best people on the planet. And I always just smile at them and say, remember that everything old school used to be new school. It used to be cutting edge. And then it becomes, eh, that's what the old folk do. Change. So what happens? We could keep trying to change and be like the world the best we can, but you'll never catch up. Instead, this is a place where we come together and offer the sacraments. The world is hungry for those. We offer a sense of the sacred. Now, that's a bit difficult for some to get their heads around because our faith has traditionally been, let's be fair, an intellectual faith. Believe these things and do these actions, and that's your contract with God. But that doesn't work in any other relationship. It's not like I'm going to look at my wife and say, so we're married. Um, What's, 
what's the minimum list that I have to do each day to stay in this relationship? Number one, that would not be safe. Uh, she's American, she owns a firearm. Two, <laughs> that would not be a loving relationship. God wants to walk with us, not march with us. There's a difference. Without a good understanding of the sacraments and their power and meaning, we risk ending up like most churches, and this is not a slam, it's an observation. Understand, observations are not negative. But be like most other churches, the only purpose and activity is spinning tires and putting out fires and trying to make some people happy. I've traveled the last more than the last decade working with churches in crisis. And more than once, I've told them, you need to change your sign because your whole goal is not to be like Jesus. You need to put a sign out there that says, keeping the Smiths happy 37 years. <laughs> now, if your last name is Smith, yes, I'm talking. No, no, I, I just chose that name at random. Our job here is not to keep any particular family happy, not even me. Our job here is to gather as a family and be very different as we gather, but say God has bigger things planned for us than just keeping the full happy. He has the sacraments planned. Maybe we should start by defining what a sacrament is and what it means. A sacrament is a means by which God gives us grace. We can expand that definition and say, by faith... God gives grace through material symbols by the power of the Spirit through whom we participate in the future. This is a place where we receive the presence of God and where we celebrate the inbreaking of the future into our present lives. I always like to give credit where credit is due, and I'll mention one of these men later. But the work of Bobby Valentine, John Mark Hicks, and Greg Taylor has just transformed my understanding of some of these things over the years. People are hungry for a contact with the sacred. And as a church, like I said, we were based upon intellectualism. Uh, Campbells were very suspicious of emotion in religion, although Barton W. Stone embraced it. That was a clash of systems. And so we were based upon logic, law, and Locke, John Locke, and his system of natural philosophy. And then we got all the bits and pieces, but we didn't have... It's kind of like assembling a cat out of parts you find around the neighborhood. You might have them present, but you don't have a cat. And if we assemble all the present and the outer manifestations of a church without the Spirit of God, we don't have a church. We have a social group that will splinter at the drop of a hat. So what do we do? We come to God and ask for the sacred, the ethereal, the metaphysical, the other. And he gives us the table, the water, and the gathering. We're going to talk about the gathering today. I asked you last week to read Hebrews 12 several times. I'm going to ask you to read it again this week several times. Absorb it. See what it is saying and allow that to rock your world. It follows the most famous chapter of Hebrews and, and one of the most famous of the New Testament, the faith chapter. 
Hebrews chapter 11. We all know that one. We meet our heroes there. But Hebrews chapter 12 will tell us you don't meet them in chapter 11. You've met them this morning. Look at Hebrews. We'll just start with the very end of chapter 11. Please remember the Bible was not originally divided into chapters. Uh, It was divided into verses by a guy on the back of a donkey going across France. I'm not making that up. And there are times that donkey hit a pothole and his pen slipped because it's not divided terribly well. But in Hebrews chapter 11, looking at verse 39, these all, these heroes, were commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised, since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us, did you catch that? Together with us, they would be made perfect. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and I'm going to stop right there, because that's where we always start. And we always think, well, that cloud of witnesses is up there in heaven somewhere in the bleacher section of the angel squad. No, he says, they have come together with us, and we are surrounded by a cloud of witnesses. And then he warns us, discipline yourself, get yourself ready, because God wants you to stand with the heroes of chapter 11. You know, that's an amazing thing. I've worked with soldiers who've come back from deployments, and I have felt unworthy to hear their stories. I have, um, I've watched great sport figures, and I'm going, how in the world? I love to watch the Olympics. I always do, although it's a bit uncanny. It's like looking into a mirror. No, it isn't. Um, we all know that. But God's saying you get to stand with these heroes. You're coming to a holy mountain, he says. Not one made of fire and blood and rules like Sinai was. Oh, let's look at that. Hebrews chapter 12, starting at verse 18. You have not come to a mountain that can be touched, that is burning with fire, to darkness, to gloom and storm, to a trumpet blast, or to a voice speaking words that those who heard it begged that no further word be spoken to them, because they could not bear what was commanded. If even an animal touches the mountain, it must be stoned to death. The sight was so terrifying that Moses said, I'm I'm trembling with fear. You have come to Mount Zion, to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. You have come to thousands upon thousands of angels in joyful assembly, to the church of the firstborn whose names are written in heaven. You have come, that's past tense, you have come to God, the judge of all, to the spirits of the righteous made perfect, to Jesus, the mediator of the new covenant, and to the sprinkled blood that speaks a better word than the blood of Abel. Blood of Abel spoke condemnation. You're not getting that. You're in a new city. You are in the new community right now. You are in the gathering. God calls us to come together and worship in the community of the saints now. But it's not just with these saints. When we gather, heaven gathers. They're here now. Oh, when I was a boy, they were told, we were told, dress up because you want to wear your best. 
when you go see God. Well, God doesn't live in a box. We know that, right? My, my mother, God bless her, tried. She would say, if, the, if you were going to see the queen, you'd dress up. And I'm going, no, don't think so. <laughs> you know, maybe you Irish folk, but us Scots have something, you know. Anyway, um, so no, that's not it. We're not saying we come to here because this is where God lives. No, we're saying we come together because God comes together where we come together. That's why we want to be here. That's why we come. Jesus, well, let, let me stop for a minute. In the book of Revelation, there are worship scenes. And I can still remember that. I'm going to pick on my mom today. Lovely girl. She's a little Irish lady. It's like a pocket mom. You know, just pull her out when you need her. There she is. <laughs> just uh, think of the roaming gnome without a hat. You know, there you are. <laughs> well, we would sometimes be in, and kids, sorry, I've got to catch you up on this. Back in the old days when Churches of Christ weren't, weren't worried about who was fellowshipping whom, they actually gathered on Sunday afternoons. You're lucky. You got off this one. And they would do singings where we would sing the songs that, that people suggested, but they never took ours. It was always, they took people that were 800 years old, their songs. And we would, you'd be sitting in there in rooms that weren't air-conditioned uh, before the widespread use of antiperspirant. And you're, you're all, you're wearing your suits and ties because God can't hear you without a leather necklace. And, and my, they're singing these songs about death and blood. And my mom leans over, I'm sitting in the middle, mom leans over to my dad and she goes, oh, Belle, don't you think this is what heaven will be like? And I'm thinking, oh, no, I don't want to go. What are my options? You know, but I did that inside because if I'd done it outside, I would have gone then. Um, but don't distract me. Back in the book of Revelation, there are worship scenes. Heaven's not an eternal worship scene, but there are worship scenes in the book of Revelation. And the, the angels break out in song. Here's why I want you to understand something. There are hymnologists. There are, there are people who make their living studying the history of hymns. And they tell us those songs that are in Revelation that the angels are singing were songs of the early church. In other words, the angels are singing our songs. Did you? Do you understand what that means? That means when we're singing, they're singing. And they take those songs back to heaven. These, our songs become the songs that are sung up there. And ever so often, just like George might do to you, in the book of Revelation, they pull out a new song. If you don't like new songs, you're going to hate it in heaven because they keep showing up. Why? Because there's a new song on earth and it's brought into heaven. Wow. What about this one? Jesus sat and read the Psalms to his people. He helped write them. And yet he engages in worship with them just like the rest of his people did. He sang them just like the rest of his people did. Why? Because when we worship, God joins in. And the future becomes the now. 
You don't have to wait for the heaven scenes in Revelation. You've already been going through one this morning. Gathering is essential. And the gathering is when God meets us. God has never told us he would save us alone. By the way, I hate that. I'm a loner. I'd be a great lighthouse keeper if it weren't for those annoying boats that show up once a month for supplies. <laughs> and yet, why am I in this job? Because I want to be with God, and he's in the group. He's not in the individual. Even the Lone Ranger needed Tonto. I'm told. <laughs> he built a community. In fact, what do you do with Adam? What a bizarre story in the early Old Testament. God makes all the animals and then prays them past Adam to see what he's going to call them, because that would just be entertainment for God, I'm sure. And then to see, to show him he doesn't have any companion there. Now, the way it's phrased, it makes it look like, now, which of these do you want to marry? And he's going, I don't really care much for any of them. No, God knew that. But Adam didn't know there was, he was incomplete until he'd seen everything and he was still incomplete. And that's when God said, well, take a nap and I got a surprise when you wake up. He didn't put it that way, but it would have been. You know, it would have been, ow, wow, you know, that sort of thing. <laughs> Got to spend time in the stories, people. Um, but then he knew I, I was made for community, and it wasn't enough for him to have human community. God walked with them, too, in the garden, in the evening. He walked with both of them. There's never, ever an indication God walked with one of them. He walked when they gathered, when they were a group. When God broke into history with the birth of his son, what did the son do? Gathered a community. Here are my buddies. Men and women came in. This was, this was the group that walked with him. Then those followers went into the world, and what did they do? They spoke to communities. Every book in the New Testament was written to a group, with the exception of one, Philemon, which is written to an individual who was told, form a group with your slave and call him your brother. Every one, a community, come together. Have you ever noticed this about the story in Luke chapter 24 and verse 33, the two men on the road to Emmaus? When Jesus met them, he got up. They, what happened after he talked to them? They got up and returned at once to Jerusalem. There they found the 11 and those with them assembled together. They were walking away from the community. They thought the story was over. They thought God was gone. Jesus was dead. That's it. Jesus meets them on the road, shows them in the scripture, your place is to turn around and get back in the community. I've had people all my life say, well, I tried to go to church, but the church failed me. Well, congratulations. You failed them too. We all fail each other. That's why we need each other. If they were perfect, they wouldn't have you. Might hurt. Think about that a bit. <laughs> we all fail each other. That's why we need each other to pick each other up. We put money in the plate. Why? Because one of these days, that, the people of this church might be putting money in a plate for us. 
We go visit the sick. Why? Because they're going to visit us. It's just, it's a community. It's a gathering. We're not impressive on our own. We're just not. God did not come to be your personal savior. I hear that all the time. I accepted Jesus as my personal savior. That's really cute, but he never asked you to. He said he's going to save the body, the group. Get with the group. Think of it this way. The hottest lava flow on the face of the earth. Reach in with some tongs. Careful. Take a bet. Set it aside. It doesn't matter that it was in the hottest rock, flowing rock. It'll go dark and cold and hard. Without the community, it's nothing. Back in Colorado and up in Michigan, the last two places we lived, it has been snowing and snowing and snowing. People will tell you there are no two snowflakes alike. Once again, nobody's checking. I don't know where they're getting this information. <laughs> but if, especially here in Tennessee, it begins to snow a little bit and people go, ah, I hope you've already laid in bread and milk. But as, as, as you see the snowflake, if you're a little kid, you might run out and grab one to see what it looks like. And as soon as you grab it, it's gone, isn't it? But you get enough of them together, they'll stop Atlanta. <laughs> We're not impressive on our own. I'm interested to see the differences when we move here, because we're still in that process. We're closing house, opening house, closing house, and running, and that sort of thing. So it's going to be a few weeks before we're finally done with all of it. But in our backyard, we would see deer, we'd see bobcat and cougar, and you'd see all kinds of critters. You don't never see a stray cat or dog. Because <laughs> those are called cougar kibble. You'd see coyotes, you'd see all of this. But we also, whenever the, the cougars weren't around, you could always tell because the bunnies will show up. Now, I like bunnies. My wife's not a big fan because they eat her plants. I tell them that's what they're here for. That's to show you, don't go to Lowe's and buy that stuff. It's just, <laughs> just, but I love bunnies. Now, if I open my door and there's a bunny, I'll go, oh, look, there's a bunny. But if I open my door and there are 8,000 bunnies, I'm going to go, bunnies, and slam the door. <laughs> and I don't care who you are, you are not impressive on your own. I'll give you time to work through this. <laughs> we need each other. The book of Hebrews was written when the Christian community was struggling. They thought Jesus was coming right back, and he, was, he hadn't come right back, still hasn't. And they were thinking, well, what's the point? And they had stopped coming to the gatherings. So this whole book is one sermon designed to strengthen them and call them back to the group. Hebrews chapter 12 is the summit of the sermon. Verses 1 through 3 place us in our community. We're not alone in our lives. We're surrounded by those that have gone on before. Verses 4 through 11 says, it's going to be difficult, but it's easier for you than it was for them because you know more than they knew. Verses 14 through 17, we're warned, stay with the community. You are vulnerable when you're off from the rest of the community. And be at peace with each other in the community. Don't sell your inheritance for a pittance. 
it is such a tendency to think, I don't like what they're doing at our church, so I, I'm going to go off and form my own church with people that think just like me. Don't do that. Live in community with people that you disagree with. Live in community with people that are different than you. That's the value of the community. Verses 18 through 24 reminds you that your walk is easier than those that went before who hadn't heard the Jesus story yet. And as baptized believers, we walk with God. And then it closes verses 25 through 29 with the warning section, stay with the group. And a lot of people just run to that one and say, that's legalism. No, no, it's a summation of a sermon. In fact, chapter 13 starts and there's community in every line. Stay with the group. Jesus said, when two or more are gathered in my name, and you'll find neo-legalists using that one. They'll say, well, we didn't go to church, but we went off here somewhere, and it was just, just me and my buddies. We were fishing, but we said a prayer and had some communion. All right. In an emergency situation, that's probably acceptable. But for funsies, no, we don't, we don't move. We don't leave the group. We make sure we're with the group. That's what God has called us to. He wasn't giving you permission to skip out as long as more than one dead. We're built for community. And here's the thing. God is not a passive observer of our worship. In the book of Hebrews, he joins in the songs. He joins in with our spirit. He is moving about in this room right now in a way he does not when I'm on my own in my truck. I've had people say, oh, I love climbing Pikes Peak. When I'm up there on my own, I feel so close to God. You're not. I know you can get into nature and you can feel, I'm so close to God here. No, you're away from distractions. That's a different matter. To be close to God, you have to be close to people. For he lives in community. He does not live in flowers and trees. He lives in people in community. This is our garden in which we get to walk with God. This is our heaven come down, made new. This is the way the world is supposed to be. Every kindred, tribe, and tongue united as brothers and sisters. Remember Elisha and his servant? One of my favorite stories. It's where George Lucas got the, uh, the, uh, the idea, inspiration, for one of his more famous scenes. Because in there, a king is trying to kill Elisha. And he keeps missing him. And they say, well, he's a prophet. God's telling him stuff. And he says, well, well rather, he, knows he has a prophet. They'll say, well, where's the prophet? Never dawned on him that if the prophet knew he was coming after the king, prophet might know he's coming after the prophet. Anyway, so he surrounds the house where the prophet lives. Servant gets up in the morning, throws back the curtains or the window treatments or whatever they had covering the hole in the wall there. And he looks out and he sees all these armed men and he panics, runs back and says, we're surrounded by armed men and the prophet's not all that concerned. And he says, open the eyes of my servant so he can see what the reality already is. Not what it will be one day. He looks out and he sees that the men that are surrounding them are surrounded by angels chariots of fire by the way the scene that i'm speaking of is elisha walks out to the man and says are you looking for the prophet and he goes yes we're looking for the prophet and he goes well we'll help you find him this is not the prophet you're looking for and he walks him all the way into the capital city of his enemy the whole way by saying you know this isn't who you're looking for let's keep until he's right in the middle of the enemy it's a great scene but the whole point is, 
They didn't have to wait. Till the end of time, God will send his angels. They're already here. Because you're in community with him. They're here. Orthodox churches are built in a particular way. Now, I love church buildings. I think that we need them to gather in the, the numbers that we have, and that's wonderful. But our church buildings aren't built like theirs. Theirs, there are no pews. You stand. Worship usually goes at about three hours, and you stand. If you're not standing, you're kneeling or flat on your face in prayer. You're participating. And it's very plain in the back, but as you get to the front, things begin to pretty up artistically. And then you have the apostles, and you have the prophets, and you have the holy ones, and you have the saints, and you have the angels, and then you've got God. It's like we're welcoming you into heaven as you approach. I like that because it means we're participating, we're entering the presence of the holy. And sometimes we lose that. Don't lose that. This is a sacrament. You cannot get on your own. We gather in, in chapter 12, and we gather here with the saints made perfect. I want you to understand what that means. That means in our midst today are Paul and Rahab. They're here. They're the queen's treasurer who I think doesn't want you to call him the Ethiopian eunuch. He has a perfectly good other name. I can almost see him in heaven saying, why did they? Anyway, the queen's treasurer. Daniel's here. Mary Magdalene. Deborah. Mary. The other Mary. And those other Marys. They're here. But also are here the babies that have been lost to us. The soldiers that have fallen. We have our missionaries here from Brazil. I'm always honored and humbled to meet a missionary. But the ones that have died are also here. Our relatives and our friends that you've lost, they're here. Say hello. Welcome the men. In the gathering, the future breaks into the present. We're already with those we will be with one day. We sit with them. We sing with them. We eat with them. We drink with them. It's an affirmation. When we gather, it's a witness saying, we believe. John Mark Hicks lost his young son. It's a very painful story. Won't tell that part. I'll tell this part. He says, I don't like cemeteries. A lot of people say, well, do you go visit the grave? And do you, do you ever put... He goes, I, I don't like cemeteries. I don't go. And he's had people say, well, how do you get a connection with your lost son? He says, I don't go to cemeteries. My son comes to me at the gathering. And every Sunday I sing with my son and I pray with my son and I take the supper with my son as a witness saying, we will do this again together for eternity. In a moment, we're going to dismiss you to prayer time. 
going to, George, anytime you want to bring your team up would be fine. They're not going to launch into song for a while. We're going to give you some minutes, but feel free to move about the room. And I want you to feel free to move about the room as well during this prayer time. As the prayer warriors and elders go off to the back and around the surrounding this, this building, if you need to pray with them, you go and you pray with them. And if you, if you need to go to talk to somebody in the room, go talk to somebody in the room. Uh, an elder will call you back to order later on. Don't worry about that. This is community. This is the gathering. This is where we make it right and make it like it's going to be. We sang this morning, we shall assemble on the mountain. Yes, we shall. And we already do. And we sang, and I know there are angels all around. Yes, there are. And even if you're not one of those that can see them now, they're here. And they can see you. The mountain of faith is here. Would you stand, please? For a final thought, he is in the gathering, not in the individual alone. Therefore, friends, remember this, little snowflake, stay with the group. <laughs>